Hey everybody, this is Super Vegan Brian coming at you from the future after we recorded this amazing episode. In today's episode, we talked with the founding members of the Professional Role Playing Society, the Order of the Ember Die. The Order of the Ember Die is an association which organizes marathon sessions of pre-published role-playing adventures. They'll run an entire adventure in a period of a few days. This interview was recorded during their marathon titled The Strange Aeons Experiment, where they played the new Pathfinder adventure path Strange Aeons. We recorded this episode about a third of the way into their fifth session, the marathon of the fifth book of Strange Aeons, What Grows Within by John Compton. When they finally finished, they had booked a total of 108 hours in the same house, with 64 hours spent playing at the table. It's pretty impressive. The reason I'm talking to you now, before we start, is because we're organizing this episode a little different, and I wanted to explain that. Since the Order of the Amber Die is currently going through the Strange Aeons Adventure Path, we wanted to talk with them about that. You're currently listening to Episode 40, Part 1. This is the non-spoiler part of the episode where we talk with the Order about who they are and what they do. In the next part, we'll include the spoilers about the Strange Aeons Adventure Path. That all being said, I'll pop in again near the end of this Part 1 episode, because we included some more non-spoiler stuff we talked about at the end of our conversation, and I'll let you know when that happens. Everybody, enjoy the show! Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Hey everybody, welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Special Mikey. Along with me is Super Vegan Super Brian. Vegan. <laughs> no Hindu Anthony, of course. He's teaching the youth of our nation to read, not eat poop, and do other things that they do in preschool. I don't really know what a preschool does. But what we do have here today are some of the very, very special guests. Someone we've been alluding to for a long time on the show. I would like to introduce the Order of the Amber Dye Professional Role Playing Group. We've got the three founding members here um, who are speaking right now. I'm, I'm Sterling Brunsvold. Adam Smith, GM. Uh, Eric Lim, player captain. Well, it's awesome to meet you guys. You guys are the f- the founding members of the order, correct? Yes. So, Adam, you're the GM. How much prep work do you put in? It's a lifestyle. Yeah. I, I heard that you do like 30 plus hours of map per game. Yeah, that's about right. If it's, you know, I can get a little bit more than that sometimes on certain ones. Um, depends on how map intensive each module is, but. Um, yeah, I think this last one that we're playing right now is probably about, yeah, 30 to 35 hours. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it goes faster than others and, you know, you end up making a lot of mistakes on others and where things don't quite work out with the grid and, you know, you end up yeah just kind of spending a lot of time doing that and before you know it, you're 30 hours in. And just to clarify for the listener, you guys are in the middle of a marathon right now. We actually got you and your interview while you're doing your marathon, so you still have Many out. You've been doing this for many hours already, and you got many hours to go. Yeah, we're right in the middle here. Uh, with kind of halftime in our marathon, so we've been going since Saturday morning, uh, five a.m. We started nineteen hours that day. Yeah, it was about nineteen. We clocked on the first day, and then get a little sleep, get up, do it all again yesterday, or did it all again yesterday. Then now today, well, we were rolling at nine. So yeah, it's going to be I think a long run here to the finish too because we might be a little behind schedule. So uh, we've only got this one marathon each time we meet to complete the entire adventure path, uh, the volume of that AP. So we got we got so many more questions for you. But Michael, what do we have to do first before we get di- deep into everything they do in the Order of the Ember Die? Yes, before we dig into everything that is Order of the Ember Die, adventure paths, and everything that is you guys, we're going to play everybody's favorite game first. And we're going to play What's Nerdy With You. Now, for anybody who's not listened to our show before, or you're just not sure what it is, What's Nerdy With You is a game where your hosts and any special guests sit down and just talk about the, what's the nerdiest thing they did this week. And then we all vote and find out, you know, who's the winner. But it's all good, fun, and games. And, and, as since, always, there, okay. and since there are five of us, we're going we're gonna to try to get this through this as quick as possible before we do voting. So we're going to first, we normally go with our guests, but first we'll go with... Um, with Sterling. What is the nerdiest thing you did this week? Uh, the nerdiest thing I did this week was probably going through about 4,000 photos of, uh, of our game uh, from some of the past marathons and, uh, you know, sorting them, editing them. I probably edited uh, two or 300 
uh, and then, you know, getting them ready to, to go online. So I just stared at, you know, little miniatures on the screen for like three or four days straight. It's awesome. Oh, oh, you got, you got some points towards me voting for you right now because I'm, I'm a photographer. Uh Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so I actually did that same thing for my professional work this week. So since you did it for your nerdy thing, I'm I'm a little biased. And a horse takes the lead. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Three or four days? Yeah. Yep. Wow, man. That's dedication. Eric, what about you? I'm not sure I can compete with that, but I'll try here. Uh, I see, aside from editing stat blocks for multiple levels for four PCs and an NPC, plus editing the write-ups that we put into our living document. I also, I'm a screenwriter, and I choose a cinematic you know, scene or series of events from each each marathon, and I type it up in a maybe 15 to 25-page screenplay in full traditional format. Um, I did that all week. Um, I made two or three or four hours a day uh, writing a scene for Marathon 4. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. You can find all that stuff in our Dropbox, too. Come on, take a look. And we saved the GM for last. Adam, what's <laughs> the nerdiest thing you did this week? The nerdiest thing I did was, let's see, I, I have to say it's spending every spare moment of the last week with an entire module, one volume of an AP, go to work, come home, dive in, take it with you everywhere. It's the last thing I read before I went to bed, checked it out in the morning over some coffee, went to work, brought it home, <laughs> opened it up again, getting ready to run this thing for four days straight. Uh, without any breaks and uh, yeah so just kind of living inside of module pf 113 what grows within by john compton now just to to give an idea about how nerdy that is that's not too different from the norm for you right because you you gym these marathons for a while so you're you pretty much have a module on you all the time yeah you know you <laughs> asked for the last week but really i could have said that was the last four weeks <laughs> yeah. of my life and that's in your uh, life <laughs> i didn't want to say it was the last too solid, but I think I might have taken a couple of days off in there, and um, yeah, it was just yeah. But I, it's rare. It's I, I've been doing this for a while now, especially when we're in a project. Uh, it's really intense because we play every six weeks, and uh, so we finish one, and I have to dive right into the other and get it ready for the next marathon. So it's just well, that's constant. some pretty amazing things. Let's see if we can compete. Uh, Michael, what'd you do this week? Nothing comparatively. <laughs> is is this your first time you have nothing to share i feel like i have nothing to share these guys are awesome yeah you had something in your mind and they just their their collective nerd storm just blew everything <laughs> out of your out of your mind they were a nerd a bomb i'm done <laughs> i was bikini atoll i'm out all right i got i in the pathfinder theme i'm Let me regroup. i'm I'm getting ready to run an all elven campaign and I spent the last week for about a half hour a day going through old forums, finding people that posted about elven campaigns and then sending them private messages and asking them for information. It's pretty nerdy. Yeah, that is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, this is Eric. Uh, I'll be glad to have a conversation with you about that. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, um, we're doing um, Keonan in the Pathfinder Galarian um, setting, um, all homebrew, trying to, trying to do it all elf party. That's perfect. No, well, so let's, let's start with you guys again, Sterling, who do you vote for? You are allowed to vote for yourself. I'll probably vote for Adam. I think just because uh, I know even what he's describing doesn't really kind of give you quite an idea of how much time he put into it. So Whatever you can imagine, multiply it by 10. So Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That might change my vote. Eric, who do you vote for? Uh, it has to be Adam. I mean, I've had two hours at least a day to do what I wanted to do over the past couple weeks, and I was moving out of my apartment, and he's had none. So it's hands down, Adam. And Adam? All right. I, well, thanks, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. I guess, uh, I guess I'll toss another one in for myself. I mean, I might as well win this thing. Uh, <laughs> can I tell you that if you vote for yourself, you are officially considered a terrible person. On <laughs> terrible person. Yep. Shame. Shame. You know what my problem was, Brian? I, I didn't want to have to choose between the, my two guys here that, you know, we all were team. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I guess it's easier to vote for myself in that way. Oh, that just melts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Michael? I'm almost tempted to say you don't get to vote because you didn't share one. Uh, oh. Okay, fine. I helped my friend go over a blueprint that he's working on to build his wife a wand. That's amazing. 
<laughs> Nothing compared to those guys, though. I like wands. That's amazing. I so um, Adam's got two votes. Uh, who do you vote for, Michael? I'm actually going to vote for Sterling because I've I've had to do photo editing just for a couple hours, and I thought I was going to go insane. So he did it for days, and that's that's impressive to me. You know, I'm a I'm 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 only a GM. I don't get to play that much, so I'm voting for Adam because I just have so much respect and. I can't wait to find out what goes into making what you guys do possible. For the listeners who don't know what you do, Sterling, how do you describe what the Order of the Ember Die does? We are a professional role-playing association uh, that has been together since 1987. Uh, so this we're actually celebrating our 30th anniversary this year, so it's a pretty special year for us. We play published modules only. It has been our kind of singular focus over the last 30 years. Uh, and during that time, we have finished uh, more than 140 published modules. And so as a, especially as a GM, Brian, you, you probably understand what that actually means. So. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I think I could probably count how many I've completed on my hands. So that's quite incredible. Sure. I mean, and certainly that's not to take anything away from homebrew games. We know that there are people who have put 30 years into homebrew games. We've found stuff. I know Adam does a lot of digging uh, through information online, and we've we've found stuff like that for homebrews. But, uh, you know, as far as the published adventures are concerned, if you can only count them on two hands, then, like I said, you totally get it. What exactly is a marathon? So you guys, you you guys are on um, number five of the Strange Aeons marathon. What exactly is a marathon? What does that mean? Uh, why don't you take that, Adam? All right. So uh, let's see. So a marathon. Best way to describe it would be we come together for between eh, four and sometimes six days, and we play the entire time. So you know we stay in the same house. Uh, we set up once in the beginning and roll through an entire adventure and then finish, you know, hopefully on time at the end. Uh, and then we come together again six weeks later and, and do it again. And we kind of do that uh, all throughout the year. And sometimes we are partnered up with uh, different organizations. So right now we're partnered with Paizo. Uh, we present their adventures on the Paizo blog uh, because one of the things we do is play them so closely to the way they're written. We try to play them, you know, as close as possible to the author's original intent. So we play this marathon, yeah, all the way through, right along the storyline. And it's one long session. If you can imagine the longest session you ever played, um, I'm not sure what that is. Probably varies for everybody, but 72 hours, 96, maybe uh, that's about average for us. Man, that is impressive. Very impressive. So when you guys are doing your, your marathons and setting them up and actually going through them, what does it like consist of? Like how much of it is gaming and how much you and like, do you take stops for snacks or do you, or, or like get meals? Do you sleep? <laughs> yeah. That's a big, that's actually the question I really wanted to ask. Yeah. How do you people sleep? And that's an important one. I mean, we tried, we used to do this when we were in our you know, early twenties and I can remember not sleeping. Uh, there were marathons. We'd go 48 hours uh, Friday to Sunday with no sleep. And then we ran into a lot of problems with player fatigue and, uh, you know, just oh, GM fatigue. <laughs> it's a yeah, separate it's thing. Um, and also, I mean, just in the end, it wasn't very enjoyable on Saturday, you know, late at night when you've already been going 24 hours. And you know, you had 24 more to go. It's, it's kind of it's a game of numbers. And, you know, you want to make sure you're sharp and uh, sleep really helps with that. So now we sleep about six to, you know, well, Six hours a night, you know, I think it's an average, but there are some times that we will have to push and that's it. And I think on this one, it might be tonight that is just going to maybe cut short three hours, four hours, something like that. Um, and then we'll go all day tomorrow to make sure we complete it by the time uh, we're done. And we all have to go back to our respective states. You know, it's it kind of reminds me of like going to a convention like Gen Con. Yeah, I mean, this Sterling speaking, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I actually I didn't kind of ever think of it that way, but it is like a little uh, mini convention where it's, you know, just us in a closed environment. So but, th- but that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of people who go to conventions, push themselves pretty hard and don't sleep much at all. So, yeah, it, it's kind of like that, except for. There's no wandering around or doing anything besides this one thing. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're all in like one place. That yeah, that must be tough. But it's also like a reality show in in a certain way because I mean, with, I, there are cameras on us. I mean, that's sterling. But uh, like the whole thing about immersion is uh, is all being together all at once for an extended period of time and pretty much living in the game. So 
I mean, yes, it's like a convention, but there's it, it's very close proximity, close quarters, and it's us and the map and the GM and our characters, and that's it. Boarding straight. It's totally no. For, forgive me if this question is too personal, because I know, but I know we have listeners that'll be asking this. Do you have any smokers in your group? No. Okay, that that's how you do it. Because <laughs> I don't think it would be possible if you had a smoker, you had smokers in your group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, breaks are. They're few and far between. We do take some, but there are, I can remember last, uh, it was Giant Slayer we did for Paizo in 2015. And it was in Marathon where we had a 25 hour run to finish it. And we knew that we just had no choice. There weren't going to be any breaks. We have a, a kitchen kind of attached to our play area and That's everybody has a different job. And one of those is, you know, preparing food and just keeping the whole table going in that sense that you don't have to break. You just sit and food comes out and we just keep playing. And, um, other times we'll just say, all right, guys, we, we're going to have to break. Like, this is it. You know, we're taking an hour. And, um, but I, I can't remember many of those. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's incredibly immersive to say the least. Very, very from hearing all this and, and your, your breaks and everything. What would be, what would you say was like one of the hardest things for doing, uh, while doing these marathons, starting with Sterling. I take all the photos, and so uh, for each marathon, I'm taking about 4,000 pictures, I think, for these two days here. I'm above 2,000 right now, and so it requires me to constantly be moving around, bending over, getting good angles, changing lighting, and then you know I'm on my feet almost the entire time. So there is definitely a lot of physical fatigue, and then at least for me, I also have to then try and pay attention to the game because I'm a PC as well. And so managing those two things is difficult. Oh, yeah, I would say so. You had mentioned that you're the player captain, Sterling. What does that mean? No, actually, Eric is the player. Oh, Eric, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I I have it written down right above your name, too. And I just read the wrong one. So, Eric, (laughs) what does being a player captain mean? Uh, It's it's a a lot of things. I'm um, I'm definitely uh, the one that supervises some of the other players, um, making sure that their characters are, are up to up to specs and everything's like you know, all the numbers are legitimate. I'm also the person they go to if they have any questions. I, I, I go over a lot of tactics and strategy with the players beforehand. Uh, I even write, you know, official player emails that go out before each module to, uh, to address some of the things that uh, we could improve upon, you know. Um, I'm a manager of sorts, I guess, in that way. And I'm also the uh, resident chef. You're a yard boss. Basically, yeah, I guess so. What about your group makes having a player captain necessary? Because I've never run into that before. Yeah, neither are we. Um, I guess it came down to uh, just trying to keep everything organized. I mean, the GM has so much on his plate, so he can't be constantly answering emails and phone calls and texts from other players. So somebody has to take over that, you know, just to take it, you know, away from him so he can concentrate on, on uh, preparing for the module. And uh, that, that was me. And, you know, I'm glad to do it. This is Adam here, too. I'm going to say this and just add something to that. Because uh, it's one thing about having a player captain when you're gym is they handle so many of these uh, rules issues that come up and that we deal with in between marathons or that I can see coming. Um, and I'll be able to say to Eric, um, okay, you know, be ready to handle underwater combat when we get there. Um, you know, because he knows and we know, maybe the whole group knows the next module is to say, uh, we're headed underwater to go to a sunken temple and explore it. So they all know where they're going. And I'll just tell him, make sure all the players are ready to go, make sure their rules are, are tight. Maybe they want to print things out and, you know, have them in front of them. But I want you to brief them all on underwater combat. And that's just something that other GMs, I was doing that by myself for years. And it's just taking time from prep. So, uh, you know, he kind of yeah, gets them uh, you know, up to up to speed on everything that he thinks they'll be facing and um, prepare, especially for rules. But it's really about delegating tasks out from the GM if possible. There are a lot of things that you can avoid having to do yourself if you just have players that are all willing to contribute. And that's, I think, what makes the order different from so many other groups. Now, I, I want to go back to the previous question because the, the player captain thing, that is really actually really cool. But I also want to get from you as your aspect, Adam, as the GM, you know, what's the hardest thing about doing these marathons? Uh, the hardest thing about being in the marathon is that you, as GM, you never get a t- chance to get really a rest for your brain. I mean, that a player is handling their character and you're handling all of the NPCs, the plot, you know, thinking about the next encounter that's coming up in 20 minutes, because as soon as they finish this one, they're going to want to roll to the next one. And you can't keep breaking every time. If you're playing, say, a six hour session, you just prep that all week and then players show up on a Friday night and you play through maybe five to eight encounters. You're done. Break it down. You think about the next five to eight encounters for next Friday. 
you meet up and you do it again. A module has between 30 and 40 encounters usually, so um, sometimes more than that. And you have to have all those ready to go. And so during the marathon, you're just constantly dealing with the next, I think, just to give you an example here, a couple hours ago, I dealt with a, a cleric 14 uh, which is a pretty hard stat block, and then a 14th level cleric, and then immediately within 20 minutes, I had to deal with a variant inquisitor grave knight um, with skeletal steed, and in this you know kind of awkward terrain battle. So you know you're getting ready for that, and as soon as that's over, you'll be doing another one. There's just no rest for the brain, and and that's it can be um, hard on the GM if they're not used to it. So so it's um basically a mental uh, obstacle course, basically trying to get through this thing with no rest in between. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that for four days. So, yeah. Wow. Because I'm sure when you guys are resting, you're still thinking about the next the next set of encounters or or any kind of like role play aspects you guys have to take care of. Absolutely. In fact, when we break to go to if we sleep, I take the module with me and it's the last thing I read. You know, I'm checking up on, you know, OK, tomorrow morning when we get up, what's the first thing that's going to be happening? What ought to be ready for um, when they if they do break to eat, say, for 30 minutes or something. Um, you know, or just at least get up and move around the table a little bit. I'm always flipping through the module, getting ready for the next set of encounters, uh, adjusting for choices they've made already, things like that, you know. You know, when we started talking to you guys, I, I really thought there was nothing that you'd do that I could relate to. And the way you're talking, Adam, it really feels like it's the same thing as running nine games in a row at a convention. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's like that. And, just do that all year long, you know, and um, that's life in the order. <laughs> yeah, so, so listeners, if you if you want to, if you run games at cons and you want to enhance your games, look up the Order of the Ember Dies PDF because it has lots of tips in there for running games that just go forever. It, you know, you'll have some adaptation because they're running a home game adventure path, but they they are running for endurance. So, and on a time limit. So, I think there's a lot you can relate to with convention play. I agree. You guys are like my new heroes. <laughs> you are you are strong and tough. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate. So since you guys you say get together every six weeks and you do these massive marathons and everything, it, it leads me to the question. You know, I where are you guys uh, at geographically? Do you guys live in the same place or are close by, or do you guys have to take planes, trains, and automobiles? Uh, this is Sterling speaking. Most of us are in the South Jersey area. I happened, I was living in Maine, first couple of adventures of the path. And then uh, my wife and I recently moved to Columbus, Ohio, um, which happens to be just about the same distance, except for I don't have to deal with the traffic through New York. So that's actually helpful. We also have some members who have lived as far north as, as far away as Alaska there's a developer, a writer, uh, an editor who has worked for Paizo and a number of different companies who just got inducted into the order, Savannah Broadway, and she flew in from Seattle. Um, so she comes, you know, every six weeks, she jumps on a, a red a red eye and flies all night long to get here. And you have a whole uh, induction ceremony when someone becomes a member of the order. Yeah, yeah, we do. We, um, It's, you know, it's like you kind of got to earn the jersey, so to speak. It's like a like a player draft, you know, in, in the professional sports. You know, we oh, uh, wow. we 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 scout you out, and we assess your abilities, and if we like you, we bring you up, and we present you a jersey, shake your hand, take a photograph with a smile, and that's it. You're in for life. And then after that, there's the robes and and the blood <laughs> oath, <laughs> and swearing on a tome of modules. <laughs> and the whole thing. We should we should do that. Yeah. Thanks for the tips. I um, would I be off base if I described you guys as a gaming fraternal order? You'd be right on point. We've actually been called that by several new members uh, that have come in. Yeah, that's that's it. This is Adam here, and that's uh, yeah. No, great way to describe it. I I hear, and I was I was looking in the the PDF of your that there actually is an amber die. There is. Okay, so uh, once again, Adam here. Um, it's been my die for thirty years, and uh, it has a unique quality. So it chains twenties. It doesn't Whoa. necessarily roll them more often than any other die. Um, we've had people say that at times it does, or maybe. But I really feel like over the years, though. It, it's pretty average in that way, except that it will put them back to back far more often than any die I've owned. And this is, you know, you're doing 140 modules over the course of 30 years. A lot of dice rolling on the side of the screen. A lot of different 20-siders that I've owned. And 
you know, just this thing, it, it tells a story, you know, you, it can change a module so quickly. You can turn your average orc into critical hit, critical hit, you know, two twenties in a row against a 10th level fighter. And all of a sudden this orc is no longer average and the story has changed and the die has decided to do that. And, um, you know, it's it being able to do that, especially if you're playing with say instant kill rules. Um, you know, putting two twenties down right away, changes the whole atmosphere of the table and gets everybody on edge. So, um, oh, yeah, it can either be all like cheering if it's for us or it can be all silent when one of us goes down. <laughs> oh my God. This is Eric, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So this thing has a mind of its own. It does. It does. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, <laughs> a lot of years and a lot of modules and we've never had anyone that wasn't you know, taken aback from the first couple sessions of just being in the room with the Amber die. And I don't roll it very often, just out of respect for it, I think. But, uh, you know, when you do, you grab the Amber die and people, you know, it's all of a sudden all eyes ready to go <laughs> and can definitely, especially, you know, and they say a big boss fight dragon, you're going to go with the bite attack. Here comes the Amber die, you know, and everybody's on edge. And <laughs> so, yeah, everyone has their die. You go to gaming conventions and you hear stories about dice, and I'm sure every group out there does have that die that they all fear that you know one of their players has or their GM. But it's just we haven't seen one that chains them this way. So uh, it has rolled four twenties back to back a couple of different times, um, which is also what sort of gave it what got us to give it reverence in the beginning was none of us had ever seen four in a row, and then to do it again frequently, we'll do two. That's normal, um, and three. I think we had three happen mm-hmm. what was it, like three or four times in an adventure path in 2015. So yeah, and then this one we've had it happen a couple times, but it's interesting. Wow. Where um, did this thing come from? What pit in the earth did you pull this thing up out of as it irradiated <laughs> this celestial or demonic energy and you said, let's make a dice? <laughs> yeah, well, and I, yeah, exactly. I think that's what also added to the story for all of us that I actually don't know where it came from. Uh, it was... This was, I was probably 10 years old, okay? And we're playing, this is 1987, playing in the living room growing up in sort of Stranger Things here. I handed uh, one of the neighborhood kids some dice and just said, here, you know, pick out some dice. And apparently this was in my bag. I don't remember buying it. The, in the back in those days, you go to the hobby shop and you take out a bunch of 20 setters and you roll them on the counter and you walk up and, and buy the one you, you like or that rolled well the first few times you pulled it out and tested it. And it's not the kind of die I would have probably thought was very appealing at the time it was amber that wasn't really my thing and, you know 10 years old i was looking for something bright red or you know i just wanted something that stood out it really it's kind of a dull color especially the shade that it's in i don't know he's he rolled he blew out 420s and all of a sudden everyone was jumping around the room going crazy and i, I was like where did you get that die man he said it's yours it was in your bag true story i do not remember buying this die and i was like no nah, it's not i was willing to give it to him at the time because it wasn't my die i don't remember buying it and i didn't want to take a die that wasn't mine and he left it with me that night he was like no i'm telling you it was in your bag so at that point that's it became the amber die you know and everyone started to know it and it just continued to do that from that point oh. on now so, that's how myths form yeah <laughs> this is the myth of the order of the amber die this thing <laughs> Wow, this thing has power somewhere. It's been all over the world. I've taken it with me everywhere I've gone and played. So that pretty much includes, you know, being on planes to other countries. And, you know, it's just been in my dice bag all my life. And, uh, you know, it's been conventions, basements across the country. (laughs) You know, (laughs) uh, it's always been there. It's the one constant. I just had this thought. It's like he lays down at night and he's like, man, I've been having these weird dreams, like right before the modules. And he's just hearing in his head, yes, we shall roll the 20s. Roll me. I wouldn't be surprised that actually happens. (laughs) (laughs) Hans wakes up. What a weird dream. Let's play. This is Sterling speaking. I, I, this is actually the first time that that story has been told in public from the beginning. We've been a little hesitant to talk exactly, you know, about why we named ourselves after this kind of one die, but we've been going long enough with this. So we figured, you know, maybe it was time to share. So I guess, um, you know, awesome for everybody who listens to this podcast because they get to know the real story of the Amber Die. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for honoring us with that story. I'm glad yes. we were the first to hear it. Yeah, thank you so much. That This is a very big honor. I mean, <laughs> that was really great of you guys. Well, I'm not I'm not done asking for secrets because I, I, I have a, <laughs> I got a big, yeah, I got a big question. Um, so you say you have 15 members, but on my count, you have one GM and four players playing in a marathon. What's everybody doing? I mean, I'm sure there's someone that's not involved, but 
you had said people are playing NPCs and stuff. What is everybody doing to make the marathon happen and during the marathon? Um, this is Adam here. I'll give you an example of just from this one. So yesterday we had another member who's not involved in this project, but did play in a previous project, Alex Rivera, and he played in the Giant Slayer Endeavor of 2015. He showed up with some cake and pizza and wings and, you know, just kind of delivered us some provisions in the middle of the marathon out of nowhere. You know, it was just like, Hey guys, I'm just checking in. He lives in the area, you know, drove about a half hour down and, um, just replenished our supplies and, and kind of watched the game for a little while, hung out occasionally. If, you know, I'll say Alex, you're going to be here for a while. Maybe give him, you know, some kind of thing that can help out with jumping behind the screen and, Everybody likes to play a monster occasionally. <laughs> so, um, you know, well, I have another player here as well. Uh, I remember Eric Germer. He's, uh, he's been in a lot of campaigns over the years and, uh, he loves playing live NPCs. So, you know, we've got one with us that in this module, uh, that we picked up in the very beginning. And so he's been playing that throughout. And, um, yeah, really every member finds a way, regardless of distance, to contribute. And sometimes I will task out other things that, um, you know, I'm working on, I'll say, um, we have a guy that's really good at editing art. So maybe I'll send out something to him. Hey, I'm going to use this in the game and put it up on the screen. You can touch it up and, and then I'll go out to another player and they'll, you know, it just depends on people are, they all have different talents, what they're good at and what they feel like contributing or how much time they have. We have got some guys that build terrain or just paint miniatures. And as we rotate through projects, then when we ask, okay, who's up for 2017, 2018, maybe, uh, who can, play in the next one that's the next adventure path or who wants to be part of the next core four uh, party of players and it's not always going to be that everybody can do it so it kind of works out perfectly that we always have four players in a project as sort of like the core four and then other players support and assist and we also have a fun kind of campaign that runs alongside the projects that we play in between so we are running other games too and that's a whole separate party with other members as well so we find a way to sort of utilize all 15 members. You know? yeah, that was a whole nother question. I, I actually wanted to know, since you're doing these marathons, are you also gaming? And do you game outside of the Order of the Ember Die? So uh, This is Eric speaking. Um, yeah, we, we play a lot with, uh, with the Order, but uh, as far as I know, no one else really plays outside the Order because, I mean, there, there's either not much time or you kind of get spoiled when you play over here with us. It's uh, It's kind of hard to break off and you know, play with play other kinds of games when when we have is so good. I wouldn't. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> I definitely don't. Yeah, this is Sterling <laughs> speaking. We've actually had we have some um, kind of tertiary members too who have come down to help us with conventions and different things like that from other states. Uh, some friends of mine. They don't want to play. They don't want to do tabletop RPGs with anyone anymore. Like they just call me and they're always just like, Hey, when, when's the next time that we can actually play with you guys? And like one of the guys is my, who's a friend of mine. Uh, he won't play. He just stopped playing with his regular group because he, he just like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, eating the best steak you've ever had in your life and then going to like saltines and you like, you're just like, all right, I'm done with these <laughs> saltines. It's time to eat good steak. So I don't know. I mean, we have a, a we do really have a, a really great thing going on here, but it doesn't work without the contribution of everybody. And that's what makes it so, so special from everything I've seen, read, heard. But you guys, you do have a very high quality of play and just and plus the, the amount of time you devote to playing is just something else. So I can understand people being like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do these these three hour tables anymore. We're, I'm going to go with these guys. So Michael and I have gone through your Facebook and your PDF. So we know a lot about what makes your games special above and beyond just being marathons. Um, but for our listeners who may not have gone into all your extra stuff, what are some of the little tweaks and tricks and stuff you do during your game that make your games just above and beyond normal role playing games? Well, I guess one of the things we do is we, we compile a lot of, uh, data and information. Um, oh, this is Eric, by the way. Um, there's, you know, every, we, we try to keep track of certain statistics. Um, I guess partially because it's kind of fun for us to see what our characters can do, but also, you know, at, at this end of the uh, spectrum to provide some, you know, information for the community about how certain classes work. Um, for instance, for Giant Slayer, it, it happened to time perfectly with the release of the, adva- uh, the advanced class guide. So we were all excited about these new hybrid characters. We picked the iconics out of them and, and we tracked information about, you know, how, how these work versus regular, you know, standard single class characters. And, you know, we did a lot of stuff like that. You know, we also do things that uh, a lot of other players do in groups and which is a uh, teamwork piece. So we also use a lot of, uh, of things like that, just, you know, 
because we all commit to the role. Other things like, you know, using like a complete rule set. We do a lot of research on all the books that we have. We go on the message boards to look up, you know, official rulings from, you know, see James Jacobs and Adam Daigle and all those people. And, you know, and we use the entire, you know, capacity of the game like to to its maximum intent. So that's that's what we at least contribute as, uh, as, as players. So as a GM, if I wanted to use, let's say, Horror Adventures, your PDF would be a fantastic resource for me to see how that would play out in my games. Uh, yeah, this is Adam here. Yeah, I think uh, that would be, for, I mean, for parts of it, absolutely. You know, we try to, for example, that's the new hardcover this year. So we decided to showcase some of the material in Horror Adventures here in the Strange Aeons uh, experiment that we're running right now. Um, so in particular, I spoke with a couple of the authors and uh, designers of the book and decided, all right, here, let's let's feature, you know, a couple of the corruptions or, you know, some of the new spells or archetypes and uh, see what we can do about recording data from that book in particular. So, yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. That's so cool. That's not even something I even thought of how by all your documentation, if people are familiar and, and spread your information around, they help everybody who plays games. Yeah, this is Sterling speaking. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that we're we're trying to do. Uh, obviously, playing the game the way that we do, there's some there is some selfishness and all of that because we all get what we get out of it. But we've all been playing the game for so long and it really has done a lot for us inside and outside of our uh, of the kind of gaming life. It, it, I think that this game has done a lot for all of us to helping with building personal relationships, teamwork mathematics, all those kinds of things. I think that lots of gamers can uh, relate to that. And so part of what we're trying to do too is th- to give back to the game because it really has uh, shaped and molded a lot of our lives. My mind goes to a question that I wasn't going to ask, but it's just gnawing at me. And so in a lot of your guys' stuff, I see fog machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of okay. got to know. As well, well specifically, Adam here. Uh, there's a lot of fog in this game. Uh, you know, I, if you're <laughs> you play enough of these adventures, and I can't tell you the number of times you enter a room or a hallway that's filled with mist. Uh, the number of authors that'll you know try to add this creepy element to a to an encounter, and you know, a low lying mist covers the ground. And I mean, how cool would it be to have the mist in your room as you're playing? You know, we go for total immersion here. So yeah, we've got. I think in the was it the cloud castle we went mm-hmm. to at one point you have to fly this is in uh, module six of giant slayer and you had to fly through this cloud to get up into it that was you know visibility five feet or something like that so i thought you know why not just fill the room with fog so nobody can see anything and uh, i think at one point i the quote was i lost my pencil in the fog um, <laughs> but you know, we, we, we tried to you know just recreate what the characters are you know and play what the characters are feeling so um yeah it's always about immersion it actually allows you to answer a question that I've always wondered. Can you see five feet in front of you in fog? Uh, this is Eric speaking. You can see five feet, maybe, but absolutely not after that. The rules are accurate. Past 10 feet, you can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything. I'm like, Adam, are you are you behind the screen or did you go get a sandwich? They're like, no, I'm here. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I have a question for you. And then we, yeah, that's the entire you know, time the pause on. That or you're in the fog and you're like, okay, Adam, so I need to check on this rule. And Adam, Adam, are you there? No, go ahead. I can hear you. And you hear massive amounts of dice being rolled. You're like, oh no! (laughs) You're like eight. You're like eight dies just hit and hit at once. (laughs) Now, what are are some other ways that you enhance sensory immersion in your games? Uh, The Sterling speaking. Um, Well, one of the things that we, you know, once we started doing this, we did lighting. Uh, which was a big thing. Like we started really getting into how you lit the room. So for instance, if you go on the Facebook or if you look in the PDFs, the very first part of this AP in search of sanity by Wes Schneider was inside of an asylum. And the only light in the asylum, most of the time, other than, you know, if you had magical means were candles. So we bought, I don't even know, like a hundred pounds worth of candles or whatever. <laughs> uh, we bought all kinds of lanterns and different candle holders and different sizes. And we got a couple of digital ones that where you could, you know, change how they worked and flickered and different things like that and set those up around the entire room. So we played the f- whole module with the windows closed, curtains drawn in darkness, only lit by candlelight. Even Adam 
was as the GM was only allowed to use a candle to read the book. So that was also very difficult when he was behind the screen. I know oh, wow. after, <laughs> after the third or fourth day, he was like, I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Pottery Barn. How can I help you? We need some candles. Sure. How many are you looking for? All of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was actually Pottery Barn. Was yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think any of you qualifies as professional role players if you're not endangering your health in some way. So <laughs> I, I think it that. works. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's another matter. <laughs> um, fire start, gentlemen. We had like a thousand yeah. candles going so we could read our RPG pages and uh, paper flammable, man. Actually, <laughs> this is Eric. Um, I almost did that. I almost burned the house down. <laughs> oh we, my decided, we decided to clump candles together because it looks really cool. You see it in the movies and TV shows all the time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we didn't think the fire would actually melt the candles adjacent to them. And like one fell over. But we weren't paying attention because we were rolling dice for an hour and a half. And then there was wax all over Adam's nice furniture, and I had to go and get toothpicks to scrape out the wax for an hour, and that was very fun. <laughs> Don't put candles next to yeah, each other yeah, on oh a big yeah. line. Don't do it's, it. Yeah. It doesn't work like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff falls over. So you've enhanced you've enhanced sight. How do you enhance sound in the game? This is Sterling again. We have a soundtrack that we employ for every marathon, and even before we started presenting the game, this was something that we always did that was kind of unique, I think, in in that Adam uh, would take time to pick a song for every encounter or major theme in the campaign or in the adventure. The players are all tasked with picking out a first level through 10th level song, and then an 11th level and above song. So your song, you know, you get a second song added if you survive past 10th level, because that kind of represents when you're, you're really entering into kind of that power level. Um, sometimes we also employ player quotes. So you might grab a quote from a movie or something from one of your favorite characters or something along those lines that helps represent your character. Um, we also use some sound effects stuff like Sirenscape and different things like that. And then we also do, I, I am an audio engineer and producer for my career, and so I also do some professional, like some sound design for us as well. So we have some unique stuff. So, you know, it's really kind of the score of our marathons, and we do share those with uh, the community in the PDFs so that if people want to kind of, you know, cherry pick some of that stuff, they can. So I, I, I'm setting you up for a question here. So I asked you about sight and sound. How have you implemented smell in your games? Ah, yes. Uh, this is Eric speaking. Um, the three of us were at Gen Con in 2015, and we participated in a seminar by Adventure Sense. And uh, it was an, an olfactory adventure that we uh, partook for about an hour. And we talked to the people afterwards, and we said, you know, where were the Amber Die? And we're about total immersion. What kind of sense do you have? And this was before we entered the Cloud Castle that Adam was speaking about earlier. And they had a scent called Flying Starship. So it's flying airship. Sp- airship yeah, or something. Yeah, it, like. it was like, this is perfect. You know what I mean? And uh, and for this for this adventure path, we got an alchemist's lab in there. So yeah. so with all the fog and all the other stuff, you know, we, we, we spread those all around the table. So everyone has full blast what it smells to be like an, al- an alchemist's lab. The entire section. Like we even have ancient library. Yeah, ancient library as well. Yeah, it's, it's some great ones. So Adventure Sense, this is Sterling speaking, uh, is a, you know, a small company. They've run a couple of Kickstarters. If anybody who's listening wants to go check them out, they really do make cool stuff. They're very cool people. Um, and so we've kind of partnered up with them to, to try and help with that immersion side of things. So they make uh, small boxes and then they also make these little bags uh, that have scented beads inside of them. Uh, it's all non-toxic and and very safe from what we understand. They're They're big on the organic side of things. And so... You can kind of place the bags anywhere that you want. And then the, the tins that they do that have all these scented beads are a little bit more powerful of, of a scent. Um, but they're, they're rolling out new scents all the time. Um, they take it pretty seriously. So it, even you guys should, should definitely check them out. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Considering where you have me and Brian participate in a, in a started up a game not too long ago. So do you have anything that's, uh, was it a, a dragon poop? they have oh man i want to speak maybe it's 50 100 cents i mean there are just so many yeah it's amazing now now, michael i can actually just tell you how to make that sound you have dogs just (laughs) feed your dog a ghost pepper chili oh my god (laughs) (laughs) wow and now the next question out of 
Yeah. The, the next question out of that is which dog do I not love enough and when it's not? <laughs> it should be more like which players do you not love enough? Because that's got, not going to be fun for anyone. <laughs> I got one guy that I could just be like, you know what? You're my buddy. You're my bro. But you're smelling dragon fruit. Now, Strange Aeons, this, is a, this would be a weird question for Strange Aeons. But for other adventures, have you ever had themed food? I don't think so. No, I, I mean, no, unfortunately not. I mean, uh, I guess I'm not that creative in the kitchen. I just try to keep the guys going and have everyone enjoy their meals. Um, I could start implementing stuff like that. If we had more time, I can do some food coloring, yeah. artistry. But man, I mean, you got four days to play. Uh, it's another hour tacked on to each meal. I don't know if we can afford that, you know? Man, that'd be crazy. Yeah. It's a good idea, though, the Sterling yeah. speaking. I, I mean, you know, actually, that now that you guys say that, maybe uh maybe the next marathon we can try and squeeze something like that in and we'll give you guys a shout out for the suggestion even if it's just like a cookie or something and it, it doesn't have to yeah. be a meal you know absolutely yeah yeah uh, i will take that consideration uh, this is eric speaking uh, I'll, I'll yeah depending on what we play yeah. next uh, we'll we'll talk about it and see what yeah, i like cookies D- oh, come on. D20 cookies. <laughs> uh, now you're asking for that. I think you have to be amber. Can we get some or amber icing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what the adventure path is next. If you guys did the Aslant adventure path, you know, you make um, squid ink cookies. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would be a lot of seafood. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. <laughs> you get some of those shrimp cookies you can get in Japan. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> Here's some devil fish tentacles, you know, here, you know, here, here you go. Here's, here's Kelpie. You know, it's all good. You know, I can create themes like that. That'll be pretty cool, actually. In, in my last game, we ran one of the big things of the game was um, um, boiled reef claw. And I oh. wanted I wanted to get some kind of shellfish so bad for that game, but we never did it. Hour 57. No more cod, damn it. <laughs> well, would Reef Claws, uh, that would require me to poison my players, too, because that would not be cool. <laughs> they're, they're very dangerous. <laughs> the claws probably taste really great, but I mean, with butter and everything like that, but I don't know. So <laughs> you have a guy with shellfish allergy. So that would be, <laughs> be careful about that. Or, or two team. Natural one. That's like Ooh. the whole thing about whenever you serve food to other people. I got. Just a couple more non-spoiler questions before we get into the spoiler content. How you guys go holding up? You're all ready to go through the... We're, we're going to be here for a whole other hour. You all doing well? Yeah, yeah, doing great. Okay, great. You've all been playing for 30 years. I don't know how long you've been doing the massive documentation on games. What are some of your experience compared to classic games compared to playing modern games? Because you have you have the benefit of being able to experience... You've experienced the whole gamut of that. Yeah, this is Adam here. Um, well, from a GM perspective, uh, definitely having played 1.0, 2.0, 3.5, and then Pathfinder now, 3.75, I guess we'll call it. So uh, I noticed a lot of things about published adventures in particular uh, over the years. And just, you know, uh, right off the top of my head to go back to those maps, I mean, they're, they're far more elaborate now, um, probably because of all the mapping tools and programs that are out there, but um, also just because they've had a chance to grow from, you know, years and years and years of dungeon design that's been passed down and studied and analyzed. And, uh, I think that one of the things I like about the classic adventures is that, uh, you have a lot of freedom too. to, you know, we play authentically in the sense that we try to, uh, really stick to what the author for that. For us, it means sticking to the author's intent. So we try to stick to the way it's written and we don't change encounters. And so a lot of times, you know, say you take a Gygax module, for example, um, it would say, you know, in 12 or 16 pages, what module today might take 48 to do, you know. And so uh, there's a lot more detail and description now, which I really appreciate and love uh, about the new adventures. But at the same time, I noticed that there was a lot more entrusted to the GM um, going back further and, uh, you know, that they just had probably a shorter page count to work with back then as well. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe even deadlier a lot of our classic adventures were, you know, just mm-hmm. really like, extremely deadly. Um, you know, just yeah. especially the, thinking of the giant series um, and the drow series and, and things like that. Um, yeah. This yeah. is Sterling speaking. I think what Adam's touching on there is something that we've all noticed as time has gone on. And because we've also, uh, Adam has spent a lot of time taking classic material and converting it up to the new rules so that we can keep that, the flavor of the older adventures uh, but, you know, employ the new rule sets because some of the rule sets that exist now are, are much clearer and 
uh, much more concise than they were, obviously, when the game first started. But things have definitely become, in many ways, much less deadly. I think it's a, you know, maybe preferential and generational thing, but there are a lot less harsh consequences in the game sometimes than now than there used to be and i think we've even seen that i think if you guys are gamers outside of the of tabletop gaming you even see that in video games now where it's just a lot easier to survive and kind of solo and and keep certain and keep going without permanent consequences so that that is a big difference i just thought of something here too to add this is adam about items in particular there i noticed a huge this is a trend that's really has no ceiling as of right now, but uh, it, it was far easier to destroy a player's items <laughs> going back, you know, looking at you know, first edition and people accepted it and that was it. You had your favorite sword and it was destroyed and, and that's all. Now it is, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it seems like there are so many uh, fail-safes built into the game to prevent that from happening. It's really difficult to destroy items. You have to try to set out with a stack of feats and abilities to specifically knock out an item or have something built in by an author that targets just this item, you know, and um, before it was, you know, you fail a save versus a black dragon and it's acid just wipes out half your items and that's it. And, you know, players <laughs> you just cry a little bit and move on. Um, but, you know, that's now it's sort of like, I failed my save. What happens? Uh, you know, you take this much damage. What about my items? Oh, you're good. You know, unless you roll like a natural one and then on top of that, you have all this hardness and uh, then hit points to every item. And it's just, it seems really difficult. Um, it, it's not to say impossible, though. It does happen, but it's just it's, very rare. And we're tracking data here. So, you know, we, we see it a lot more often, I think, than others, other groups. It's really funny that you mentioned that because it makes me want to tell a story that I've been wanting to tell on this podcast for a long time. So Daniel Cross is a guy who does the music for our podcast. And I ran a game for him years ago through the whole game. He'd been struggling really hard to find just the right sword and just the right armor. He wanted to have specifically elven weapons. And he finally, after this long dungeon crawl, managed to find an elven sword and elven armor. And he was so thrilled. Then the next encounter was with a black pudding. Oh, my. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and he yeah, lost the go. armor and the sword in the very next combat. <sighs> That's not yeah. the funny part. Uh -oh. <laughs> the funny part is the rage he went into after. <laughs> he took my he took my core rule book and threw it off the balcony of his apartment. Holy well, as and you can imagine, yeah, a lot yeah. of player fits over the years. You know, you see the GM. <laughs> he's going to kill me for telling oh, that yeah. story on the podcast, but I, I, I had to. I've been wanting to tell that one for a long time. Thank you for oh. telling that story. Like oh my! It. Is there? Um, we're we're just about out of time for non-spoiler combat, but uh, non-spoiler content. Um, <laughs> but just before we go into spoilers, is there anything else you guys want to share? Um. Covered a lot. Yeah, yeah we covered a lot. We covered a lot of information. It's good conversation. So yeah, let's let's keep it rolling. Keep it rolling, indeed. This is Super Vegan Brian coming at you from the future again. At this point in the podcast, we talked for about an hour about spoilers to the Strange Aeon's Adventure Path. You can hear of that part in part two, which we're going to post immediately after part one. You can find that on SoundCloud or iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen. After the spoiler part. The guys of the Order of the Ember Die had things they wanted to promote and contact information they wanted to share. So we're going to include that right here. Super Vegan Brian from the future signing out. It hurts me to say it, but we are about out of time to talk with you guys. Oh, we've gone for oh my gosh yeah it's oh i was liking been, this it's been a heck of a journey. <laughs> I went by uh, pretty fast. Yeah, it went really fast. Yeah. So this is the end of the spoiler section. We'll do this is where we wrap up. So what I want to ask you, and you can choose a spoke spokesperson for this, is share what the Order of the Ember Die has coming up, convention appearances, um, anything from anybody else or yourselves that you want to plug, and contact information. Okay. Uh, this is Sterling couple of things i guess we've got coming up uh as far as um uh conventions we will be at PaizoCon. uh we will be running actually a marathon gaming seminar we ran it last year at gen con we'll be doing it at PaizoCon, um and then we will be at gen con this year as well 
uh, which is the 50th anniversary there, 10th anniversary at PaizoCon. We will be running the Marathon Gaming Seminar there as well. And you'll be able to see us. We have um, pretty noticeable shirts with our logos on it. So if there is anybody who's listening who wants to uh, chat about the game, just talk about anything, we love to meet folks. There are a couple of other conventions that we've considered doing, but we're not 100% sure. And then we will be at uh, GaryCon next spring, which will be the 10th anniversary for them as well. Uh, so we're actually pretty fortunate where we're hitting PaizoCon 10, GenCon 50, GaryCon 10. So there will be some pretty big celebrations there. Moving on, uh, upcoming material. We're not 100% sure where that's going to be going. Kind of depends on what happens in this part uh, of where we're at. Uh, if we make it from five going on to six, that may change some decisions. We are in talks right now uh, to possibly do uh, the Aslant Adventure Path. But again, uh, a lot of that just depends on what happens overall because this thing is, uh, we try and plan as far ahead as we can, but it is difficult to manage depending on what happens. Yeah, yeah. Contact info, amberdie.com is our website. Uh, brings you to the rest of our social media, brings you to the Dropbox. Uh, you can also find the same things. Uh, on our Facebook, which is where a lot of the material is. We've chosen to to share a lot of our stuff there. I think I'd really like to plug a couple of things. Some of the people that we work with, I guess Adventure Sense, I think people should really check them out. Blue Table Painting, uh, who does all of our miniatures painting. Those guys are, are really, really incredible. If you want painted miniatures unlike any other, that's a company to go to. P-Works Maps, I think if you want to check them out, we've used their stuff a lot in this. Um, and then, um, what's John's company's name? Who does the terrain? Jordy John studios, yeah, Jordy John studios. You can find them on our Facebook. Um, he doesn't have a website as far as I know right now, but I think he, he has a, an Etsy account, I believe then deep cut studios, uh, which also does, uh, battle maps. So if as GMs, you, Brian, and then any of the GMs listening, uh, you really want to enhance the, the playing field. Uh, deep Cut and P-Works, you can get those maps gridded, um, but it's not usually something that's used in tabletop RPGs. They do a lot of stuff for wargaming. So we've reached out to a lot of different companies to kind of pull other game industries into tabletop RPG. Oh, that's wonderful. I am so blown away by you guys. I hope we have the honor of having you back again in the future. Oh, we really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope that you guys would want to have us back on um and if i can i I don't mean to to bogart anything here but i'd also like to plug my my company axion studios i uh like i said i'm an audio engineer and so i do a lot of the audio stuff i do all of the photos and all the editing and then i also remaster maps so if there's anybody who's out there looking to have some of these tiny tiny maps in the modules uh blown up and, and printed at high resolution um uh that's something that we can do for you so again, that can be found axionstudio.com. That's great. And we'll make sure to put links to everything that you guys mentioned in the show notes. But so I'm not presuming, is there anything else? Because you're allowed to plug anything you want for as long as you want. I don't think so. Adam right. American. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, I am going to plug my own page, Brian Darnell Photography on Facebook. That is my own thing. That's all I ever plug for myself every week next week nerd podcast radio is going to be having on night Vale bunny who introduced us to odin abbott who we've had on before we thanked her for bringing us a regular guest by having her on the show so episode 41 is going to be our talk with night Vale bunny we we're going to have a, a lot of fun talking with her in fact we already did because it's a pre-recorded episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um if you want to talk to us at nerd podcast radio you can do that on the nerd podcast radio facebook page you can also email us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com anthony at dot com and on twitter that was a quick one yeah that was a quick one uh, on twitter at super vegan brian at Nerdcaster Mike, at Nerdcast Radio. If you are listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a review. We really need those reviews. They help us get feedback and tell us what we need to do to improve and get better. 
this was a great call. That's it for the wrap up today. Thank you guys for coming on. I'm really happy you guys are here. I know I didn't speak a ton, but I was just so in awe of what you guys were doing and this, how well everything you have planned out and taken care of. I was really enjoying just listening to you guys. Everything you've done, uh, if I could ever go to one of your, your marathon gaming seminars to learn something, I definitely would. So, but again, just thanks you guys for coming. Like I said, I think that people could learn a lot from you guys if they're doing marathon, if they're running lots of games at a con. And I would totally want to go to one of your seminars just to help me with that, because that's something I do sometimes. I'll run eight games at a con, and that's 40 hours. Yeah. So he he does that, and I think that would really help you, Brian, even though I know you are very well-versed in the art of GMing. But always room for improvement and i think these guys are the ones that can help you <laughs> every single episode you have to blow my head up about jamming oh anyway <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot guys yeah. it's yeah. been great uh, great being here yeah it was really fun having you guys here i look forward to having you guys back on i really do hope you guys come back and and talk with us more about either another gm uh gm another marathon gaming session or just if you just want to talk about something nerdy either way that's perfectly great with us so yeah yeah, Sounds we would fun. love to be on again. Definitely uh, stay in touch with us, guys, and hopefully maybe we can uh, meet up at a con. Um, we are also talking about kind of grabbing some different YouTubers and podcast guys. And maybe, again, this is a wish list, but maybe putting together some sort of a game where we bring a bunch of people together to give them this experience and then have them talk about it on their different social media platforms. So keep in touch. Okay. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right, so this has been Nerd Podcast Radio, a great episode. I've been your host, Special Mikey, along with Super Vegan Brian. Brian, did you die on me? Bye-bye, everybody. Yeah, don't do that to me, man. (laughs) And the founding members of the Order of the Amber Die professional role-playing group, Sterling, Adam, and Eric. I didn't get your last names. Uh, Yeah, Sterling Brunswold, Adam Smith, Eric Lynn. All right, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. All right. And this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. And as always, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Brian, cut everybody.